The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Tuesday, Election Day 2020. And um, if you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com. That's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Scroll down right there on the right side of the page, and you'll be able to check us out right there. Be happy to uh, have you on board with us, whether it's by way of the website or Twitter, FPP Tim. We're streaming live there. Periscope and Twitch at Setting Brush Fires, streaming live there. As well as Facebook on Bradley Dean SOL, YouTube channel is B Dean Sons of Liberty, before it's news.com, right there on the front page, and also DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty. And then we're also on Spreely Gab, MeWe, Minds, and USA.life at Sons of Liberty or Sons of Liberty Media. And if you guys are looking uh, to extend your time with us in the chat room, head over to Telegram, pick up that app there. And uh, look us up, Sons of Liberty. Be a part of the group there. You can share information back and forth all day long, as much as you want, and um, build your relationships uh, more together that way, should you so choose to do so. Also, if you would like to call in anytime, look, um, happy to take your calls. Just stay on the stay on the topic <clears throat> that we're going to talk about. Okay, uh, no no Chinese buffet. Okay, two one five top talk two one five eight six seven eight two. Five five and good morning to everyone at not just Red State but all you guys in the chat room. It's always good to see you guys. You guys encourage me every morning uh, when we come on, and I appreciate that very much. Yesterday I got uh, a ton of response. It's kind of abnormal. I you know I finished the show up and you know it's it's done. It's it's in the locker. It's in the whatever. It's in the can. It's sent down to the the Tim Brown. How, did, how does Rush do that? See, he's he's good at that broadcasting. He's good for entertainment, okay? But we all know he's a water boy for the GOP. We know that's what he is. But he's very good at what he does, okay? And he says it's it's off in the can, the archives, whatever. Anyway, that's done. But I got such a, res- a good response from people who actually were paying attention to what was said. And it wasn't just about constitutional sheriffs. You'll recall... 
the anybody who is elected to office, number one, they owe their allegiance to God. And not to a flag, not to something else that's made up. They owe their allegiance to God because they are his ministers, Romans 13. Romans 13. They're the ministers of God. I don't care if they claim to be an atheist. The Bible tells us there is no such thing as that, Romans 1. Why? Because all men know there's a creator. They know there's a God. They just choose not to honor him as God. So <clears throat> we're going to get into some of that. Is America's problems political? Are America's problems political? That's the proper way I should say it. Are they political? Or is there some deeper root cause for the political problems? Now, many of you have heard me say, and I stand by it, <clears throat> that the message of the Old Testament did deal with politics. There's no question about it. Why? Because it kept calling people back to the law. But in dealing with that external po political issue was really a hard issue. And this is why God said that he was going to be taking out hearts of stone and replacing them with hearts of flesh. This is why he said uh, it isn't just those who are circumcised of the flesh, but those who are circumcised of the heart. This is why the Apostle Paul would later say in the New Testament that <clears throat> the true Jew is the one circumcised of the heart, not of the flesh. Okay? Yep, going to get to that in just a moment, Matt. <laughs> and so I want to give you a little bit, a little flavor of why we as a culture, why we as quote-unquote Christian America are having the problems that we're having. And I'm going to lay it at the feet of those of us who call ourselves the church, the Christian church. I'm going to lay it at our feet, and I'm including me there. Okay, so I'm not pointing the finger at anybody else except me and my brothers and sisters in the church. R.J. Rushdooney, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know him, wrote, Culture is religion externalized. Culture is religion externalized. You know, I've said over and over all governments are theocracies. The God of the culture of that government determines the laws and how they will be enacted and what, what they consider just punishments for breaking those laws. And again, I can go all over. It doesn't matter where you go. The God of the culture influences the law. If you're a hedonistic culture, guess what you're going to get in your laws? Hedonism. If you're a communist country, guess what you're going to get in your laws? Communism. Totalitarianism. Socialism does the same thing. Islam, what's it going to produce? Well, you're going to get Sharia. And in a Christian country, what should you expect? No law? I know some people would like it that way because they tell us, oh, the law is done away with in Christ. They completely distort what the New Testament says about that. We need to get rid of the law. We don't want the law. The law is behind us. That's that old vengeful, mean, angry God in the Old Testament with the law. It's not the one in the New Testament. Well, i got news for you, friends. <laughs> read, the, read Hebrews. Any of you guys read Hebrews? It says that under Moses, 
with two or three witnesses, the person faced death. How much sore a punishment for those who trampled the blood of Christ under their feet. Hello? And Christ didn't come to destroy the law. He came to fulfill it. And Paul says that we don't do away with the law. We highly esteem it. First it slays us, then it becomes the instruction of how we're to love one another, how we're to love God. So, <clears throat> just want to set that, <clears throat> excuse me, as the groundwork here for what I'm about to get at. The polls open in what? 45 minutes here on the East Coast. Unless they're open now. Aren't, don't they open at 7? I'm pretty sure they open at 7. People will go there, and they will determine who they're going to vote for by how much they've been propagandized by, in, in most cases. In most cases. If they've been propagandized to vote D, they're going over here. If they've been propagandized to vote R, they're going over here. If they've been propagandized to vote T, they go over here. If they've been propagandized to vote J, they go over here. Okay? Excuse me, B, not J. I think it is his first name. And that's what they do. Then there are those <clears throat> who step back and they go, wait a minute. Um, this is not what I want out of any of these people. And they've taken the time to start looking at their alternatives. And there are alternatives. And though they're mocked and though they're ridiculed by those who claim to be Christian, they realize that their vote is between them and God anyway. Nobody else is in that voting booth there with them. Just them and God. Now, I want to lay something out to you, and then I want to bring you an article, for those of you who have not read it, from sonslibertymedia.com this morning, because I think it is words we need to hear. Okay? <clears throat> I think it is words that we need to hear. Let me give you uh, a few things here, though. When we look to the scriptures, and I see all kinds of people trying to justify the unjustifiable with the current occupant of the White House, as well as the guy who's trying to get in there. I mean, somebody sent me um, a video, and I don't recommend you, you look at it, okay? I don't. They sent me the video, and the picture was in the little IM was enough for me to know what was going on. But it's about a dozen people, all naked in a bed. Among them were Donald Trump and George W. Bush with a bunch of, quote-unquote, famous people. The alleged convert, Kanye West. It was a video with him. And they're all in the bed, naked, and this, the little image there that you are supposed to click to watch the video. This is the kind of people... Or this is the kind of person that's in your White House. And I want to remind people, you were disgusted at a man who went in your White House and had sex with an intern, committed adultery on his wife. No matter what you think about Hillary, this is what he did. You were disgusted about that, and that was just in the 1990s. And yet you allow for this kind of stuff to continue to go on, to be the character of your, of your president, of your congressman, of your mayor, of your governor. And then you have the audacity to say, Tim, we're not electing a pastor in chief. Well, let me ask you, Christian, 
and this will be for Christians. What does Scripture give us as wisdom for those who we would have as representatives in government? What, what does it say? Does it give us any instruction? Let me, let me give you this here. And this isn't even about pastors. This is just about those who will help judge. They're going to they're gonna, uh, aid Moses in what he's doing. This comes from Exodus 18. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness where he encamped at the Mount of God. And he said unto Moses, I, thy father-in-law Jethro, am coming to thee, and thy wife and her two sons with her. And Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and did uh, obedience and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare, and they came into the tent. And Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done unto Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, and all the travail that had come upon them by the way, and how the Lord delivered them. And Jethro rejoiced to all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians." And Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord, who hath delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of Pharaoh, who hath delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. And I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, for in the thing wherein they dealt proudly, he was above them. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came, and all the elders of Israel, to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law in, or excuse me, before God. Verse 13 says, And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning unto even? And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do not make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Or, excuse me, I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Now, that would be something if we had people who were doing something, they were ruling, okay? They were doing their duty, and they actually instructed people in what the law says. But they don't even know what the law says. And verse, verse, verse 17 says, And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. Yeah, it's one guy with a million people around him. <laughs> he's got to, you know, judge here. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God, and thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws. You're going to teach them this stuff. Okay? You're going to teach them. What? Political wrangling? The best your mama jokes you've got? Point the finger and expose stuff, but not do anything? No, he says you're going to teach them the law and the statutes, right? He says, moreover, excuse me, and shall show them the way wherein they must walk and the work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, not liars, 
hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee, if thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all the people shall also go to their place in peace. And Moses, what? He didn't say, oh, come on, pops. We don't need a pastor-in-chief in this deal. We don't need little pastor. He didn't do that. He said he hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. And there was blessing that came from that, folks. There was blessing that came from it. I could go to the New Testament, and I could go to Titus chapter 1. I could go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and I could read you off the character qualifications. <laughs> yeah, I know. I could, read you the, I could read you the character qualifications for those who are elders, for those who are deacons. And you go, but we're not electing a pastor-in-chief, an elder-in-chief, a deacon-in-chief. We're not electing. Yes, you are. At least where the term deacon is concerned, you are. That means a servant. What did we talk about yesterday? Everybody that goes into public office is a public servant of the people they serve as the minister of God. That's what they are. That's what they are. And when you tell me stuff like that, what you're saying is, Tim, we have no standard for the kind of character and conduct of our representatives. You're saying there is no, we have a higher standard for our for the elders, well, they, Carol, then they shouldn't be in there. <laughs> Carol asks, what do you say about pastors not teaching biblical truths in churching? I would think that's covered in 1 Timothy chapter 3. It says he has to be able to teach. Teach what? Math? No. Teach the scriptures. Teach doctrine. So, Here's the thing. You've got this stuff laid out, okay? You've got wisdom from the Scripture about what to do. And people point back to Cyrus. Let me explain something different about Cyrus than what's being applied to Trump. Cyrus was a king. And he didn't ask the people for their vote. He came in and took out the previous kingdom. And he was king. Okay? Wasn't, it wasn't a vote issue. He just came in and was king. That's just how it is. But the people are to elect those who represent them, who have good moral character. Founding fathers spoke about that too. I mean, we have John Adams saying that our constitution was for a religious and a moral people, and I don't think he meant Islam. I don't think he meant Judaism. Or even Roman Catholicism, even though there were some Roman Catholics in there, there were some Jews in there mixed in with the, the colonists. I think he had the idea of biblical Christianity. And so I go back to what Rush Dooney said. Culture is politics externalized. Or excuse me, um, yeah, that was, the, that was the quote I had. Culture is religion externalized. It's your religion that gets externalized. So, if you don't care about the character, all you care about, well, it's he's a businessman, or, 
well, he ran this thing over here. You don't look at things like, what did he build off of? This is one of the things about 1 Timothy 3. It goes to an elder and it says that he must rule his family well. And so here's the, here's the issue. Who, who actually raised... I mean, we see what happened with Joe Biden's family. I mean, and it is a sad thing. I don't rejoice in this at all, okay? Hunter Biden obviously has a very troubled life. There's no question that he does. Should Joe be in office? That right there should tell you that he would be better off being at home, wouldn't it? Than being in a public office of any of any rank. But what about Donald Trump? Oh, well, his kids are so great. His son-in-law and his daughter are in an occultic Judaism. All of his kids were raised by his first wife, not by him. Um, no, Carol, I'm actually applying what Scripture says. So if you want to, if you want to say that, the numbers two one five top talk two one five eight six seven eight two five five. Call in and correct me. But you can't. You can't. You would rather something. You would rather anybody attack uh, attack anybody else except your political idol. And all I'm trying to do is give you the wisdom of what Scripture says. But you don't want to hear it. La, 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 la. That's what you do. Now, let me give you some, this article, because I really do believe it's something we need to hear, and we probably need to hear it every election cycle. In fact, we probably need to hear it at least once a year. Chope Owen um, posted at sonsoflibertymedia.com. I repeat, America's problems are not political. And I'll, I'll add, they're not economical. I know that the president gets you know, all, the, uh, all the credit or the blame for the economy. He shouldn't get either. He's not the one that makes it. And neither is Congress. They may put in things that make it okay or uh, have the ability for those who make the economy work, who do produce and create jobs, to do such a thing easier, but they're not the ones who actually do it. Here's what Chuck Baldwin says, and just bear with me, because I think uh, he makes a lot of good points throughout this. As readers should know by now, I adamantly refuse to get sucked into the phony left-right paradigm. And he's right. I also refuse to get on board the Trump train. I made a vow to God in 1996 that I would never again support a presidential candidate that I knew would be unfaithful to the Constitution and natural liberties given us by our Creator. As I see it, there are two basic groups of Christians who are voting for Donald Trump this year. Number one, those who have a God-like vision of Trump. They truly believe him to be some sort of a Messiah figure. And it's not just Christians. Some of the Jews believe this. You can see the videos of them saying that they believe he's one of the Moshiachs, the Messiahs, Ben Yosef. Okay? They believe he's an American Moses. In many respects, Trump has a religious cult following. And among some people, he does. There's, there's no doubt. Not all, but some. These people believe everything he says is gospel. They can find no fault in him. No violation of the Constitution at all. Trump has a religious cult following. Excuse me. 
Um, they believe everything he does is by divine miracle. Number two, those who are good, conservative, freedom-oriented believers who recognize Trump's wickedness, but who are willing to overlook those evils, believing, A, Trump is doing enough good things to tolerate those evils, and B, the alternative, Joe Biden, is so repugnant that there is no choice but to support Trump. Does this sound familiar? Yeah. I've seen both. I've seen both. The first group is composed of seriously deluded people. That's, that's the Trump idolaters. That's who I refer to them as. The second group could be defined as a political pragmatist. Of course, a host of non-believers, conservative in politics, would embrace the philosophy, philosophy of political pragmatism. But so do many Christians. To them, a vote for the lesser of two evils is not a violation of their moral conscience or moral convictions. In fact, they would see such an act as necessary, even righteous. Isn't that interesting? They will go against clearly what the Scripture says. Uh, we're doing it right now, Carol by educating the public on what the Bible says and what the Constitution says, and then exposing those who go against that. That's the point. Just because you got a guy in there that has a big mouth who points the finger at the other side and says, you're the bad guys, you're the socialists, this, that, and the other, while he engages in the same stuff, that's not men with backbone. That's a weak man who is P.T. Barnum of the 21st century. And that's the point. Baldwin continues. Obviously, the power elite manipulate political pragmatists during every election cycle. Why? Because the political pragmatists, in many cases, not all, don't know what the standard is. They don't know the standard is the Constitution because they don't even know what it says. They don't know what the Declaration of Independence says. They don't know what the Bible says except for a couple of cho choice verses they want to throw out at people like me, is judge not lest you be judged. That's what they know. They don't know the standard. Especially at the national level. By stacking the deck in the general election with controlled candidates from both political parties, they ensure that no matter who wins, the establishment's agenda moves forward unabated while rank-and-file voters on both sides of the aisle believe they have voted for a difference. It's a masterful strategy. Indeed, it is, Pastor Baldwin. The agenda is continuing on. You are continuing to be sold out, America. And you'll be sold out whether Donald Trump gets another four years or whether Joe Biden goes in there. Okay? I already give it to you, Pam. You want a list of what he's doing wrong? Everybody wants a list. Go to sonslibertymedia.com. Put in Trump. Find out what he's been doing wrong. Find out what he's been telling you and what actually the reality is. Okay? I firmly believe that the two things are required to see through the above. One, a studied understanding that there is a cabal of very powerful people who not only conspire against the liberty principles of America and Christianity, but who also who are also wealthy and influential enough to actually manipulate and even control the major levels of leadership within countries, including their news media, educational, entertainment, medical, and religious institutions. Number two, a spiritual understanding that America's strength lies in the moral courage in its pulpits. How's that for attacking the guys who are teaching false doctrine in the, in the pulpit, Carol? <laughs> There's no moral courage. They're hirelings. 
They will not speak the truth. They're not, they don't have the conviction to speak the truth. Okay? In other words, America's problems are not political. They are spiritual. Can I get an amen? That's exactly what they are. The forces of evil have hated this country from its inception. From the beginning, America's core principles enshrined in our Declaration of Independence, and I would say long before that in the Mayflower Compact, <laughs> for the glory of God. Constitution and Bill of Rights were rooted in our cre- Creator's natural and revealed laws. Christian faith and practice are at the heart of America's heritage. The quote commonly attributed to Alexis de Tocqueville may have said it best. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her fertile fields and boundless forests, and it was not there. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her rich mines and her vast world commerce, and it was not there. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her public school system and her institutions of learning, and it was not there. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her Democratic Congress and her matchless Constitution, and it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits aflame with righteousness, with righteousness, did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, we'll cease to be great. How are you told that America is going to be great again? Oh, we got to build up the economy. We got to start with the Marxists. It's, it's about the economy. And it's a fake economy built on debt and phony money. But... Historically, if you want to see America be great again, God's going to have to turn the people back to himself, his people back to himself, and America's going to have to be good again. But we don't want to hear about making America good again, morally good before God. We want to hear about all the goodies that can be given us from government. We want to hear big daddy government give us safety and security and trade our liberties for that. That's what we want to hear. We don't want to trust in God like our forefathers. Look at this scamdemic that we're dealing with now. Who are you looking to in that situation? Looking to your governor to save you? You're looking for these big pharma companies to save you with a vaccine? Maybe you're looking for the latest one that Donald Trump is pimping that uh, he, got his, uh, he got his drugs from. That apparently cured him. He, he made that statement even though there's no basis to say there's a cure, which FDA would normally be going after other people who said such a thing. Is that what you're looking for? What are you looking for? And here's what Baldwin continues on with. That's it. Goodness precedes greatness. Goodness precedes greatness. Likewise, evil precedes extinction. You wait and see. You wait and see what comes after this election. You wait and see. Mark my words, 
It's not going to get any better. You know why? Because God's people haven't repented. They continue on in their wickedness and their sin. And they say, no, thanks, God. We got this under control. We don't want men of character like you say. We want our standard of a man here. We want a man like the rest of the nations. And I'm not just talking about Trump, guys. I'm talking about at all kinds of levels. They'll tell you that they want change. They want godliness. They want God brought back to America, and then they go about it the completely wrong way. Pastor Baldwin goes on and he says, As I brought out in my message last Sunday at Liberty Fellowship, which was taken from Micah 6, 1 to 8, the national crisis that Old Testament Israel and Judah faced were due to the way that God's people, especially the kings and priests throughout the two nations, had offended God with their vile and wicked conduct. And that's true. That's exactly true. This, my friends, is the crux of America's problems. But Jerry Falwell Jr., who seems to be okay with, I don't know, opening up his marriage for other men to be with his wife. Yeah, the apple fell a long ways from the tree on that one. Seemed to speak for most evangelicals when he said, you don't choose a president based on how good they are. He didn't read his Bible, did he? At all. I guess not, but we used to. And here, we used to pick people who were good for office. We used to pick good people. You guys remember that? I mean, I'm only 51. I'm only 51. That's half a century, right? (laughs) I remember when that was. It hasn't been that long ago that we used to look for good people. They didn't have to be perfect, but they needed to be good moral people, upstanding people. Not people laying around naked in a bed with a dozen people. There was a time, says Baldwin, in America when we expected our grocery clerks, our gas station attendants, our school teachers, our mailmen, our business managers, our repairmen, our physicians, our mechanics, our neighbors, and yes, our civil magistrates to be good. To be good. Does anyone remember Gary Hart? (laughs) He was a Democrat, right? What happened to it? Well, he lost because everybody thought he was good, and then look at what came out. And the people rejected that. Today, not only are pastors and Christians willing to enthusiastically support an immoral reprobate like Donald Trump, but they actually believe that this immoral reprobate is America's only hope. <laughs> that's, that, that's the part that just blows my mind. That blows my mind. He is America's only answer. He is God's salvation for our country. And yes, I've seen these kind of quotes. I've seen them. Okay? Are we not able to stop and see what is happening? Again, this is not a promotion of Joe Biden, and it's not really just an attack on Donald Trump. It is an, it is an indictment against us as the people of God and as America in general as to what we tolerate. Okay? 
In the case of Donald Trump, this uh, continues to from Chuck Baldwin, to a vast number of evangelical Christians, America's hope rests with politicians. They're preferred politicians, of course. To these believers, politicians are far more important to the future of America than preachers. Acts of Congress are more important than acts of God. Fidelity to a political party is more important than fidelity to Holy Scripture. Salvation comes in the form of executive order and Supreme Court decision, not Holy Spirit conviction and God's immutable truth. And in the case of Donald Trump, which came first, a corrupt president who is corrupting the church, and he is corrupting it, or a corrupt church that created a corrupt president. I can tell you it's the latter. I can tell you that. Susan Wright tries to sort it out. She says, Others who deemed him, that is Trump, unfit and a danger to the soul of the nation in those prayer calls have laid their moral obligations down at the altar of Trump for the sake of partisanship. And that's exactly what it is. It is heartbreaking to see. And with the exception of a very few from those calls, it is a sickness of spirit that has apparently taken deep root. Is the evangelical church in America so lost? Is their faith only skin deep? Yep, for many of them it is. Is there no remnant of faithful believers ready to stand on God's holy word above any temporal worldly kingdom? There are some. There are. Pastor Baldwin continues, At this point, let me plainly assert, ever since Trump was elected in 2016, Christians have been saying that God put him in office, and he did. God did put Trump in office. I believe in the decrees of God. God, if something happens in this life, it is because God decreed it. And it's a part of his providence in working all things out for his glory. All things that are done, whether they're errors or whether they're meant uh, in, in malice or whether they're something that is done with goodness because the Spirit of God has transformed a person, whether it is considered an accident on our part or whether it is purposeful, it all happens for a purpose. Otherwise, it, it is purposeless. And my Bible teaches me that God is in control of everything. A sparrow does not fall to the ground apart from his willing it. It's what we call his decrees. All of history is his story. It's not ours. It's his, and he does it for his glory. And so, yes, God put Donald Trump in office. But you know what? He also put the usurper, Barack Hussein Obama, Satoru Sabarka in office too. And he had a purpose for that too. Okay? He had a purpose in doing that too. And he had a purpose for Clinton and Bush and Bush the first and Reagan and go back to Washington, go back into the Articles of Confederation and the people were in office then. He, had, he has a purpose in all of that. But sometimes his purpose is not what certain people think it is. Oh, he's working through them, Brenda. He's working through them, getting that LGBTQ push through the Trump administration. Yep, he's working through them. Mm -hmm. Funding the murder of American babies to the tune of more than $600 million of your money unconstitutionally every year. Yep, he's working through them. If that's true, now this is Baldwin, if that's true, then God is certainly able to keep Trump in office. And it is true. And he can keep him in office. 
But if Biden is elected next week, then let me ask you something, guys. Does that mean that God wants Biden in office? Yep, it sure does. See, here's the difference here at the Sons of Liberty rather than other outlets and places you'll go to is we try to remain consistent. We, if we're not, we want to be corrected. That's why I say call in. Everybody knows how I'll treat people. I'll treat them well. But we try to be consistent. We try to look at the law, which is the standard. Not to see who's on the right or the left, but who's on the straight and narrow. That's the issue. Okay? No matter who wins the election next Tuesday, says Baldwin, America's problems will not be solved because, again, America's problems are not political. And as long as evangelical Christians continue to put their faith and trust in politicians, our problems will only worsen. God eventually destroyed Israel and Judah due to their wickedness. Go back and look. And he, he dealt with them for hundreds of years, sending the prophets to them. They were stoning and killing them and murder, I mean, just murdering the prophets. And some of you have within you such a fire to come after people like Bradley or me for what we're telling you about all this. And you know what? If you could and you could get away with it, you would probably come kill us and call yourself a Christian in the process. Just like the Jews, the Pharisees, that God said, or that Jesus said, they were of their father, the devil. And Jesus said, if you were of your father, the devil, you would be doing the works of Abraham. But they weren't. They were doing what their daddy was doing. So God eventually destroyed Israel and Judah due to their wickedness. So why should he spare an unrepentant America? And that's exactly what we have right now, an unrepentant nation and an unrepentant church. For example, I hear Christians constantly say the reason they vote for Donald Trump or for any other Republican presidential nominee is because he is pro-life. Really? <laughs> really? Are you that blind are you that following the propaganda outlets that tell you he's pro-life? Or do you look to see what he's done? I have given credit where credit is due. Title 10, defunding foreign Planned parenthood. And I gave him a thumbs up. Go back and read my article. It was good. I said, this is a great start. Good. Now keep it going. That's where, it, that's where the ball dropped. That was the bone that was thrown to you, America. That was the bone that was thrown to you for pro-life. He could stop it any funding to any abortion baby mill, baby ugh, baby murder mill, he wanted to by simply vetoing every, fun, every budget bill that comes to him. But you know what? Those Democrats that you guys fuss about leading the House and all oh, their... He hasn't vetoed one of their bills. Not one. He signed every one of them. The agenda continues on. Open your eyes and you will see it. It's not hard to even see. Baldwin has pointed out several times Donald Trump and his fellow Republicans controlled the entire federal government, including the Supreme Court, for the first two years of his administration. G.W. Bush and Republicans controlled the entire federal government for 4.6 years. Did either of them overturn Roe? No, they did not. And by the way, you need to check out the video from PH. It's three minutes long on how you can overturn Roe without the federal government and without the Supreme Court. And it's real simple if you work at the, if you work at the state level. Real simple. 
You could overturn it. The people could. They didn't even try to overturn Roe, says Baldwin. Please try telling the 3.5 million babies who were surgically aborted and the 56 million babies who were chemically aborted how pro-life Donald Trump is. And never forget that Republican-appointed judges have been a majority on the Supreme Court since before Roe v. Wade was decided in 1973. I did a show on this right before the Amy Coney Barrett you know, circus that was going on there. And I pointed that out to you. That's 50 consecutive years of a Republican-dominated court. But you have to get a president in there so he'll get a conservative. Really? How conservative is it when you have the quote-unquote conservatives ruling that it's okay to murder babies? That it's okay for men to marry men or women to marry women? Come on, people. Wake up. Wake up to what's going on. How you're being propagandized. Because that's what it is. A Republican court gave us Roe, and 50 years of Republican majority courts have kept Roe intact. Since then, have we ever needed Democrats to legalize abortion on demand or keep it legal? No, but that's what they got you thinking. That's what they have you thinking, Republicans. They think, you think that this is about that, but they're controlling you. They're controlling you. All you got to do is go back and look at the Brett Kavanaugh nonsense that was going on. And they want to make it out like he's this great pro-life guy and they want to attack him for that. When the reality was they wanted him on the court. First thing he gets is a Planned Parenthood case and he won't even take it. That should have told you everything you need. Well, it sh- you should have known about Brett Kavanaugh from the beginning and his involvement in the Vince Foster case. If you didn't, If that didn't tell you something... <laughs> If that didn't tell you something, I, I, I can't help you. I can't help people who are, who are willingly pulling the scales over their eyes. I, I can't help you. I really can't. Pastor Baldwin continues on. Our family physician, Dr. Annie Bukacic, gave an excellent presentation pointing out that, as much as anything, support for phony pro-life legislation has been a major impediment to reversing Roe v. Wade. Furthermore, under Trump's presidency, more federal tax dollars have been given to Planned Parenthood than when Barack Obama was president. And that is true. I've got the documents to show. They're on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Put in Trump, or put in most pro-life president. Put that in. The article comes up. Put Trump and Planned Parenthood. I think it's the second or third one down. The documents are there. I'm not lying to you. Trump's lying to you. The media, the conservative talking heads are lying to you about how pro-life he is. Saying you're pro-life means squat if you're going to sign the death warrant with the money to kill the innocent. Your talk is cheap. And this is what James says in James chapter 2. Okay? This is what James says in James chapter 2. Not only has the money gone to Planned Parenthood more than Barack Obama, and speaking of federal spending, do we even dare to broach the subject of the national debt? I did the other week. Deficit spending, I did the other week. Other people do it. Because right there is where the stranglehold is. Right there. And this gets right to the heart of the matter of what Jesus said. You will serve God or you will serve money. What's it going to be, America? 
You're going to serve God or you're going to serve the economy? Well, can't we serve both? Nope. You can serve God or you can serve the economy. If you serve God, the first thing you've got to do is get to the law and bring justice. And the law flattens the ground there where just weights and measurements are, where just money is, honest money. And if you start from the economical side, you'll do whatever you got to do to make that economy work. I'm watching a show now called The Big Short. A friend recommended it to me of how, about the housing bubble. All of that was fake and propped up, just like this economy that we've got now. It's fake and propped up with debt. Wall Street's the best friend Donald Trump's ever had. The big banks, the, the big pharma, the corporation, best friends that Donald Trump ever had. Really. Look who got all the money from the stimulus. Wasn't all the people. Take a look at that. Well, that was Congress. Yeah, Donald Trump put his signature on it or it wouldn't have been spent. It's both of them. It's Trump and the Congress. But I don't hear people telling me, except what's obvious, about Democrats in the Congress. Well, there's some Republicans in there doing it too. Let me get on with this because I'm about out of time for today. And I do want to finish this up. Because I think this is what we need to hear as people go into the voting booths. Speaking of federal funding, we want to talk about the national debt and deficit spending? No, because Trump has shattered all the records. Indeed, he has. Twice this year, the deficit spending of anything that Barack Obama did. And I'm telling you, if Barack Obama was in the same situation, you people out there who are cheering Trump on, you would be giving Barack Hussein Obama Satoris Sabarka down the road for it. You know you would. You know you would. But here's what evangelicals never want to talk about. Donald Trump has extended America's foreign wars beyond that of Obama or G.W. Bush. Donald Trump drops a bomb somewhere in the world every 12 minutes. You read that right, every 12 minutes. Trump has dropped more bombs and missiles on Middle Eastern countries in a comparable period of time than any modern U.S. president. But he's going to get a Nobel Nobel Peace Prize, right? He's nominated for that, kind of like Obama was, (laughs) for dropping the bombs and everything. Mm Mm-hmm. He's dropped uh, more bombs and missiles in Middle Eastern countries in a comparable period of time than any modern U.S. president. Presidents Bush, Obama, and now Trump have dropped over 300,000 bombs and missiles on Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Libya, Pakistan, Yemen, and Somalia. Trump's rate of bombing eclipses both Bush and Obama. And I have a question for you. How is dropping bombs on all these different countries, how, how how is that national defense? Robert, do you kiss your mom with that mouth? She must have not took a bar of soap to your mouth. Trump has dropped almost two hundred, excuse me, almost two hundred thousand bombs and missiles on Middle Eastern countries in just his first term of office, which surpasses the number of bombs and missiles dropped by Obama during his entire eight-year presidency and is two-thirds of all of the bombs dropped since 9/11. Trump began his presidency in a flurry of war, but as the 2020 elections drew nearer, he again started acting like a peace candidate. But why do I even point that out? It matters to almost no one. People like Robert in the chat. In addition, Trump has escalated the financial and military support for warmongering Zionist state of Israel. 
which has murdered untold thousands of innocent Palestinians, both Christians and Muslims, throughout the Middle East. I am weary, and I think most of the rest of the world is too, with hearing evangelicals talk about how pro-life they are, while at the same time supporting the wanton mass killing of innocent people all over the world via America's Zionist-controlled military-industrial complex. Reading the Old Testament prophets, one will quickly observe that Israel's perpetual shedding of innocent blood was one of God's chief indictments against the nation. Indictments that eventually led to the nation's divine execution. Why should America be an exception? If the evangelical church would lose its misplaced infatuation with the unbiblical enthusiasm for the Zionist state of Israel, which has no biblical prophetic significance at all, by the way, it's Antichrist and use its very powerful collective voice to call for an end to these wars for Israel and the slaughter of innocent people, maybe, just maybe, God's anger against us would be assuaged. Trump talks a lot about ending America's endless wars. And I I can go on because he's got a little bit more left here, but uh, time's running out. So what I want to say is this. You say, what do we do? Well, the first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to repent before God. That is the message of the gospel. It's not ask Jesus in your heart. It's pick up your your cross and follow Jesus to the death. Repent of your sin. Seek the wisdom of God in what, I mean, I've shown you what God has said. And people reject it. Some of them have rejected it in the chat room. Well, you're going to get what you deserve. But friends, if we're going to make America great again, we got to make it good. And the only way to make it good is by what Scripture says. And that is, we are at the mercy of God to turn our hearts back to Him. And that means we, we're not going to go in someplace and just go into a prayer meeting. We're going to have prayer, but we got to come out and do some battle too. And this has got to happen in a number of arenas We've got to fight against this debt. We've got to fight against the murder of the unborn. We've got to fight against these other things. And here's the thing. If you're not willing to do that, you're not willing to see America made great again. I hope God will do what Jeremiah said in Lamentations. Turn us, God, and we will be turned. May he grant so, even though we don't deserve it. Love you guys. Talk to you in 23 hours. We'll be back with the Common Core Diva, Lynn Taylor. Adios. See ya.